NBC Sports Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ down there in Decula, Georgia, the home of the Falcons, the diehard himself, Matt Greenfell, University of North Georgia alumni is here. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. Don't get it twisted, though. I mean, I might be in the land of the Decula Falcons, but... uh my blood bleeds red and black. I'm a North Cornette Bulldog through and through. Don't 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 get it that that uh it doesn't matter where I go. I'm always North Cornette. There you go. Well, we're uh hey, we're combined there now with uh Parview's longtime coach, friend of the pod, Eric Godfrey now coaching the Bulldogs. So uh it's oh, is uh, that right? Yeah, he's been uh this they was his first him? year. Yeah, you did. Wow. That's what the big market teams do, you know. That's that's right. If only the Parkview Panthers were not a top five uh, team in the state this year in the highest classification. No, Mike Is Matthews. That right? Yeah, I this, don't know if you heard uh, about this. You yeah. see this five star Mike I'm, Matthews. I'm not in the I'm not in the uh, in the high school game these days. No, not grinding the GPB sports tape, Matt Green. Forsyth County News days. Uh, those are behind me. Oh man, now that's a black. Uh, Forsyth's blown up since too. I mean, what it's like? It's like eight high schools or something now. It's it's insane. And it's only getting bigger, it seems like. Um, well, Matt Green, um, it's our week. I can't believe I'm saying this. This is week five. Uh, the college ball season, man, it goes quick. We're nearing the midway point uh, sooner rather than later here, um, which is just wild. And uh, it just it's a good slate. Not as good as last week, but uh, a lot of big games here. Really, this was like uh, when I was thinking about like how to frame this week at the way I look at it is just like this is like a separation Saturday type deal in the SEC um, where you got Florida and Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, um, Auburn and Georgia. Not so much to me. And we'll get into that in a bit. LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Arkansas. Like this is a good uh, leveling weekend. I like uh, uh, I like I like separation Saturday. I was thinking some sort of crossroads. I had like the mm. same uh, the same thought in my head because there's a lot of these games are kind of maybe like second, maybe even third conference games that some of these teams are playing. And like, we're actually starting to learn a little something about these teams. I think we're going to learn a lot after uh, this weekend, sir. But before we get into that, uh, the green line stat of the weekend, sir, what do you have for us on this Thursday evening? All right. The green line stat of the weekend, sir, is, uh, or the week, I guess this is it's still the week, not the weekend yet. 
It's about the Michigan Wolverines. Um, there's a lot of talk about the Michigan Wolverines, and you know they haven't played anybody. But uh, a fascinating stat that I found from Michigan is in so far in this season they've allowed 23 points. Let me pull up. I should have had Michigan ready pulled up on, on a window here. But um, so what's crazy? So I feel like people are kind of sleeping on Michigan. Um, because they haven't really played anyone, like I said. They've, so they've given up 23 points in the first four games. First game against East Carolina is essentially a shutout for 58 minutes of the game. The, the, for, the second game versus UNLV is a shutout for like 59 minutes of the game. And then Rutgers scores on the first for, in the first minute and then proceeds to get shut out for the last 59 minutes of the game. So Michigan has basically had like three 59 minute shutouts in their in their four games um so they're just they're basically dominating opponents um and we haven't we haven't learned a lot from them this year i will say that just from the the uh quality of the opponents but just kind of crazy uh they're just under the radar just pitching shutouts just about every week i like almost that. identical and- scores every week too and that kind of uh, consistency might lend itself to why they are number one in scoring defense uh, through four weeks of the college ball season. Putting a lot and of zeros a, in the quarter. It's hefty. Big. It's hefty praise, but kind of reminds you of that 2021 Georgia Bulldogs defense where it's like mm. the storyline was people breaking the shutout at the end of the game, not the team coming down to potentially win the game. Just like, hey, maybe you'll score on this team on the last drive, and then you can feel a little bit better about yourself. So uh, J.J. McCarthy, Stetson Bennett, I don't know. There's uh, some similarities there, but uh, I don't know. Um, We'll see. But, yeah, Michigan remains to be seen, but good start so far through four games. Yeah, I uh, I (laughs) – The big three. We are we have a ways to go before we get to Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State playing each other. But um very excited for that because the stats for all three right now, just so close uh across the board and a lot and just kind of similar in style and everything else. So I'm very excited to see what that ultimately looks like with those three, who just all are just one A, one B, uh one C at the top of the conference. More so than kind of it kind of lead that kind of leads me to my rant. Do you want me to get into my rant right now? Do you want me to do we do we just do this thing? I mean, do the rant, sir. So the one thing that I'm like uh like with is with the top 25 polls, right? I have just have a everyone has an opinion on how the rankings should go and it's just interesting how Sometimes your opinion, how how quickly opinions can be formed and how sometimes things can just be discarded completely. So you look at the first four weeks of the season, I think there's this narrative, like I was saying with Michigan, that they haven't played well, right? Like Michigan's been very unimpressive. It's like they've basically won all of their games, like 31 to 6, 34 to 7, 30, 30 to 3. It's like it's all been the same. It's like this team is winning their games by 27 points per game, right? Like Washington is this team that's suddenly become the darling of everyone in college football. And don't get me wrong, like Washington has looked really good so far. But this team has beaten Boise State, Michigan State, Cal. Like if if you thought this team was the 12th best team in the country, how are you? How are those four and the other four? Just I don't I don't know who the fourth opponent is. How how are those four opponents going to just change your mind? Like this team got a first place vote in the most recent AP poll, and it's like I get that my, Washington looks good, but 
the 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 idea that Michigan is is unimpressive and Washington is is looked really good, basically playing same level competition. Like Michigan State and Boise State are bigger names. Um, that pro- Boise State's probably better than anyone Michigan's played so far, but like none of those teams are good. So it's just interesting how how people just choose to fall in love with just sometimes it's with your, your uh, it, it doesn't matter who you beat. It's, Oh, they just looked so good though. And I, and Washington does look good, but it's just interesting that, and like you look at a Georgia and obviously Georgia is still number one, but I would say the common narrative is that ah, Georgia hasn't looked great, but Washington's over here and it's, Oh yeah. Washington they're they're a dark horse won the national championship. And I guess that's the difference between you're talking about the number one team versus the number seven or eight team. But it's um it's interesting just the I, I feel like Washington's gone from like the most underrated team in college football to like the most overrated team in like the matter of four weeks. Like they still haven't beaten anybody that's worth anything. I think that's fair. I mean, Michigan also hasn't beat anybody that's worth anything to this point. I think it's more it comes down to like it's funny. The sport is just we look at offense. That's just how it's always going to be. We're always going to be drawn to offensive firepower and like your stat at the beginning about Michigan and their shutout quarters and stuff like that. No one's going to play that. That's not going to be a leading story and like why Michigan uh, is uh, actually uh, the best team in the country right now. What leads is that like Washington sleepwalks into like eight first half touchdowns and that the uh, like regardless of who they're playing their offense looks the most dominant of anyone we've seen this year. And I think that's true. Like two things to be true. They haven't played anybody, but also there is something to be said with how dominant their offense has been with a Heisman-esque quarterback and a ridiculous receiving group that like, yeah, they're going to be a really tough team to to lose. Like you said, I feel like the defensive equivalent to that would be, yeah, no one scores on on this team, you know? And so it's like, it's interesting just how, how we perceive things differently. And how much do you think preseason opinions should matter four weeks into the season Be- i don't know just, it's a context by context basis for me like i don't know when, when i look at sorry go ahead go ahead no i just think like it just depends like what how certainly like so much of that is just circumstantial and who we're talking about which team we're talking about which game we're talking about that's hard for me to say uh i don't know because when i look at my rankings it's like if i haven't been proven wrong like I don't, mm. I'm not going to change it yet. So it's like, I don't know. There's like, I, like Florida state, I feel like proved me wrong, like week one. And so I'm like, okay, I can, I can get Florida state up there. And I probably mm. should have, I felt like Texas was going to be better. So I probably should have had them higher in like my initial ranking, but they proved it early on. And it's like, okay, I had no problem putting them up there. But if I thought Penn state was better than Ohio state, Ohio State had the best win, beat Notre Dame, but Penn State's blasting everyone they play just about. So I'm not going to change my opinion based on that. And I thought Michigan had some weaknesses, so I I had them behind Penn State and Ohio State. Nothing they've done through four weeks has really changed my mind. I, I felt like Oregon was the best team in the Pac-12 coming into the season. So like I still have them ab- above everyone. Like I took Notre Dame out after they lost, but so like Washington, as they've they've looked good, like I've probably had them jump usc in the first couple weeks to to me but that's two teams that have both been scoring a bunch of points against inferior competition so it's it's very you know it's a it's a minor difference between those two teams but i i think it's just it's interesting that anyone could see the first four weeks and like oh washington that's the number one team in college football do you see what they did to michigan state like 
okay, it's Michigan State. Like they're terrible. So I don't know. It's just it's interesting me to me how the uh, how the thought process works sometimes. Yeah, um, but we'll see. It, a lot of this is going to play out on the field. That's why I don't really sweat it to this point. Uh, maybe in the BCS era, you sweat it a little bit more. But I just it's going to play itself out. And I will say I am a Washington doubter. I'm also just kind of a Pac-12 title doubter um, to this point. But I will say like two things to be true. Like let them enjoy the early fun and they're an awesome story. They're good watch. But I also just... I don't think they can win the title. I don't think there, they have a chance. There of is the one thing though, that I don't think any of us were ever kind of accounting for. It's the sec, the sec effect, right? Like mm. Auburn 2017, Auburn went through that, the sec, they did lose to Clemson at a conference. They lost only one conference game, mm. but they lost two games, but they were in the best conference in college football. And by the end of the conference, they're going to the conference championship as the number two team in the country with two losses. So the Pac-12, like all of these teams are up there. Like there's a narrative already, like starting in week two, this is the best conference in college football. So if we say it enough, it has to be true, right? Perception is reality. So there's a chance that a two-loss team, like, who knows, the the um, conference championship is, is a two-loss versus a two-loss, and they're both in the top six or seven in the rankings because we – they've all have so many top 10, top 15 opponents uh, on the season. So that's a factor that I really wasn't accounting for. Cause I thought this might be a really good conference, but they weren't going to have a one loss conference champion. That's fair. Um, but we shall see Matt green. Um, you want to get into your top 10 before we get into our week five picks? Yeah, my top 10 going into week five. I still, uh, let me, let's start at number 10. I got Utah at 10. I kind of gave it away here a second ago. I got two, Utah at 10, USC at 9, Washington at 8, Oregon at 7, all, the, all four of those Pac-12 schools together. And then the three Big Ten schools together. I got Michigan at 6, Ohio State at 5, Penn State at 4, Texas at 3, Florida State at 2, and uh, still Georgia at 1. Okay. So any thoughts? Any? Would you? What would you change? Um, I think Notre Dame's a top 10 team. I would drop Utah for Notre Dame and I'd probably drop USC for like LSU. Um, mm. right now, uh, that's the couple that jump off the page. I probably throw Oklahoma maybe in there, but it's like, who do I, uh, take out? I mean, it's tough. Probably Oklahoma just out at like 11th. Maybe you could swap uh, LSU and Oklahoma, but I don't think I would have USC and Utah in there. Definitely Notre Dame um, in that top 10. That's the so, thing. That so, you, uh, so, yeah. so you agree uh, Oregon's best team in the Pac-12 and Penn State's best team in the Big Ten right now? I don't think Penn State's the best team in the Big Ten, but I do think... I, so you'd have what, Ohio State four, Michigan four? I still have Michigan until proven otherwise. I would I would keep Michigan at, at the top spot. I understand the offense, but like you've had four different coaches at this point to start the year. Um, the offense really hasn't gelled all that much, and the defense is still the best in the sport this year. So I just it all is the makings of them just stomping on Penn State and, and Ohio State again and being right there in the college playoff. I think they're still the most complete of the the big three there, and I think that they've earned the benefit of the doubt over the last two years. That's fair. But we'll see. And I think Texas is borderline top 10 right now. They got to pick it up. Big week for them. Um, 
Top, wait, you said who? Texas? Texas. Like Texas where they at, sit. I, they had Texas at three. Where'd That's you what I'm saying. Like, I think you're looking oh, at. Oh, you said or, top two. Yes. Oh, at least I said top 10. I was like, what? But even that, what I'm like, I don't know. Like, Texas is weird. They're, they're, they have the talent to be the best team in the country. And they've, like, the best version of Texas can be the best team in the country. I just, I don't know. Like, I'm very excited to see what Kansas does this weekend because I, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see on this offense. I want to see some more consistency on that front, but we'll see if they're able to do that against another good uh, Kansas team with Lance Leipold. Uh, Matt Green, college football week five. Uh, where do our standings uh, currently sit heading into uh, week five here? All right. So overall, you have a, a one game lead so far, four weeks through the season uh, at 32 and 12 to my 31 and 13 record. Um, and then against the spread, you got a two game lead on me. Uh, 27, 16 and one Chase Thomas is on the season. I, on the other hand, am uh, 25, 18 and one against the spread. And then we got Zeus, five and one, uh, home dog of the week, just giving you winners uh, week in and week out. So, you know, shout out to Zeus as well. There you go. Uh, Matt Green, where are we going first this weekend? I think we got to go where the people want the 330 CBS, uh, Deep South's oldest rivalry. Uh, of love. Georgia, what's that? Of love. Yeah, I don't know what all that's about. Uh, it, you know, it used to be a rivalry, real, you, real friendly rivalry, Georgia Auburn. But then um, I think it was Nick Fairley, um, maybe Cam Newton era of Auburn that, you know, I think things started to get nasty. And, uh, mm. Those hits on on Aaron Murray uh, in 2013, I think, is what ultimately like this this rivalry started to get a little heated. Well, um, we need some more of those guys. We need Nick Fairley to be back in this rivalry. Like Nick Fairley was, uh, man, I don't know if I've ever seen this. Was like pre uh, pre confident, uh, pre don't know how to handle uh, elite status in college football. Georgia fan, where they were still uh, they had the battered dog syndrome, and they were they were angry about Nick Fairley. That was the most fired up. I remember Georgia fans being about one hey, particular player. Nick in a long Fairley time. did have some, some real cheap shots on Aaron Murray in that game. Like there was uh, there's some dirty stuff. Uh, Takeo spikes is probably another one that they really latched on to that Georgia fans did not like. Mariana. What did he do? Did um, he I stick mean, his fingers in no spikes, That's a little, yeah. no, you're thinking Brandon spikes or Brandon spikes. Um, Takeo spikes. Yeah. He's like nineties, you know, yeah, so I meant that's Brandon a little, spikes, yeah. a little ahead of our time to probably remember him as, as closely, but, um, as far as college goes, but yeah, I think, uh, this is obviously, this is, um, Georgia dominated this rivalry, uh, in recent years. Like we've won 15 of the last 18. Um, I think, I think what it was a year, uh, is it, it's year eight for Kirby. I'm, I'm losing track. I think he's seven and one, I think is his record, uh, against, uh, Auburn so far. So I got a stat for you. Auburn's a 14 and a half point dog in this one, by the, by the way, uh, home dog. And um, Kirby Smart is four and four in SEC West road games in his career at Georgia. And one of those is Auburn, but he does have a two and one record at Auburn uh, in his, since he's taken over at Georgia. So most of those wins was Ole Miss year one, um, Auburn, LSU. A lot of those wins came early. So I think George, Kirby's won four of his last five against SEC West, the only team. Uh, they didn't beat was uh, the 2020 national champions in Alabama. So 
I just uh, you look at what this Georgia defense has been so far this season, like probably not quite as like perfect as as you've wanted. Like that's kind of what the standard feels like at Georgia, but this team has still been dominating their opponents. Like UAB probably scored a little bit more than you wanted, but they've given they've uh have the most pass attempts in the entire SEC uh, through four games against them, and they've given up uh, the worst passer rating or the best defensive passer rating, right, in the uh, of all SEC teams. So the only way to beat this Georgia team is obviously you have to have some sort of running game to, to you know, just keep the defense uh, off their toes. But I, I that's what Auburn's going to have to do because they're a running team. But, you know, I don't know if it's going to be Robbie Ashford in this one, but it's like the teams that expose Georgia are the teams that have an elite quarterback. And I don't think we thought Spencer Rattler was that going into that game, but now that you look at it, like maybe he is that elite quarterback and those like the CJ Strouds of the world and the Joe Burrows of the world, like these are the teams that have given Kirby smart defenses tr- problems, Bryce young. And I just don't, I don't see even going on the road in at Auburn. I just, I don't see how this, uh, this Auburn offense can really like, I don't know, score multiple times against Georgia. Well, I think that's that's fair. Um, I wondered, is this still a big game? Like part of the reason that I think this has lost some appeal is because uh, it's September and we're doing this game. Uh, Matt First Green time would... ever in September. Mm. Just not right. Not doing it in the fall. But I also understand like when Georgia fans become like, I understand if you're an Auburn fan like or an Auburn coach, why you'd want that switched up because you're like, well, Georgia and Alabama won't be great forever. I'm like, are you sure about that? I feel like the I think you should leave guy. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? That's what I would be saying when they were like, oh, they won't be up forever. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Uh, but you look at it and you're like, I, I understand that. That's neither here nor there. I wonder. They've dominated this rivalry like Georgia has quietly like outside of the Cam Newton run and the Nick Marshall uh, blip like this has been a dominant uh, dominating performance from the Georgia Bulldogs year in year out uh, against the Tigers obviously really dominated last year nothing really to gleam and with obviously with the change coaching change and all that stuff Robbie Ashford had a really tough day running around I just I think like Auburn's O really laid a bad egg last week at AM. It was one of those more concerning ones where I'm like, I don't know if you can fix this in the middle of the year. I think this is kind of broken. I think bringing in a transfer quarterback this late in the process is always tough. And he just didn't get a full spring. And I, Peyton Thorne also just might not be very good. Uh, you never know how certain guys translate to different conferences and stuff like that. And the portal, the portal is just, you never know what you're going to get. And he just might not be a good fit for Hugh Freeze's offense. And that just might be that. And you don't really have a great alternative behind him, uh, having already seen what Ashford is. And if he was better, he would have probably already beat him out. Uh, but I just look at it. The orange out's weird. Don't like that. I don't know why Auburn's doing an orange out. Jerseys or is it just the fans? I'm, I think I'm, it's just the fans. Confused. I think it's just the fans is the, the idea I've got. There's no way they do an orange jersey. Like there's just... I, <laughs> I would be very surprised if Auburn's rocking orange jerseys. And I think he would have no, already had to announce because like Tennessee's already done the, because everything is on social now ahead of time to get fans excited and you want to make merch off. Of I it. don't think you have to do anything though. I mean, you can, no, nah, you want to make money. Like you want people buying those jerseys before the game time. You want people like getting amped up for it. Like dark mode was released days ago <laughs> ahead of this game. They want people, uh, buying 
stuff ready for the game. It's it's commerce, Matt Green. They they want to they want you to buy these jerseys. Um, but Payne Thorne was outrageously bad against AM last week. And I also just wonder for uh for Auburn, they're 13th in, re- in the FCC in rushing defense. I wonder if this is a get right game for Georgia on that. Is this a good Dylan Bell game? Is this a good uh, Cash Jones um, thing game for Georgia? I wonder if we're going to see a lot more of Georgia on the ground uh, in this one, because like this is Carson Beck's first road start um, to this point. It's the first road atmosphere for him. He's been solid. Um, he's completing 72% of his passes, uh, 1100 yards, six TDs, one pick. Um, but all four games have been in Sanford like this is his first road game so I think there's going to be some drop off there I think Auburn's going to get up for it I think there's a lot more momentum with the Hugh Freeze era I think it's still going to be pretty pretty successful by and large um and I just I look at this and they're 13th in long in long passing plays in the SEC the only team that's been worse is (laughs) funny enough Alabama I just don't know if you can beat Bama because part of the reason that South Carolina put George on their toes uh, two weeks ago was Spencer Rattler was such a threat over the top and like could attack this Georgia secondary um, move play with behind a, a bad offensive line and get those deep shots and put pressure on Georgia to make second half adjustments I don't think Peyton Thorne is that guy I don't think Peyton Thorne is a good SEC quarterback um, to this point but could they run on Georgia that's the biggest thing that I'm most curious if Auburn is going to cover because I don't think they can win this game but if they want to cover I think they're going to have to be a good running team. They're second in the conference at this point in running the football. They have a lot of backs. Jarquez Hunter is a good back. Um, they're going to need Brian Batty to be uh, better this week. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb, true freshman, four-star. He's a good player. He's going to be involved. If Auburn is able to play keep away and run the ball and get some first downs and keep George off the field a little bit, I think there's a path to them covering. Um I just don't know if they're going to be able to hold up for four quarters. Like the second half Georgia stuff is, is real. And I don't know if this is the kind of matchup yet. And if you has the kind of quarterback yet to really put a lot of pressure on Georgia at this point. So, and then Brock Bowers, 22 catches, 256 yards, two touchdowns. He has a rushing touchdown. I don't think Auburn has an answer for him. I can see this being a big one where it's like, Hey Carson, just go to your safety blanket. Just go to the the best player on the field uh, in this one. And don't, don't overcomplicate stuff. Um, so I think this game's probably close in the first half i think it's low very low scoring where you're looking around you're like why is it 13 7 going into the half georgia and then georgia in the fourth quarter i think starts to pull away because peyton thorne starts making some bad choices some bad mistakes georgia maybe gets an interception or two but i think georgia ultimately wins and covers in this one i'm going to say georgia 31 auburn 14 uh, i'll say 31 14 something like that yeah, and I think that's because the, that's like the winning formula for Auburn running the ball. Like, I just don't think that's that's not how they're going to beat Georgia. Like, that's yeah. not how really anyone's going to beat Georgia, especially not with a not with a competent not without a competent passing game. And I just Georgia actually leads the SEC in interceptions also through the first four weeks of the season. So it's with with how shaky this quarterback play is. Like, I don't think Peyton Thorne is the guy at all. But I think if it's Robbie Ashford, I think it's a lot worse. So if you don't have someone to make the defense respect the deep ball, like there's no chance you can run on this Georgia defense. And yeah, so I'm I'm with you. I think Georgia does cover. So I think it's like a 31-10 as uh like Auburn's not scoring two touchdowns on this team. 
All right. Where are we going next, Matt Green? All right. Let's go up to your neck of the woods. It's a... Uh, I hear it's... What is it? Is it revenge season? Uh, this one's this one's been brewing for a while now. Uh, ever since last year, last November, we don't need to rehash what happened in Columbia, South Carolina. But the Gamecocks coming to Knoxville on Saturday, 7.30 SEC Network, as a 12.5-point dog to the Tennessee Volunteers. Chase, how do you see this one going? Gone back and forth on this one, too. Uh, when it first came out that it was 12 and a half, it was kind of a stunner. It was a stunner for like everybody in Balls Media who was uh, who felt like we all had a pretty good feel of this Tennessee team to this point. Um, and to see that was kind of high, especially with what happened last year, what we've seen from South Carolina to this point. It was kind of interesting to see um, what uh, what Vegas and what betters thought of this this matchup. I also think it's kind of funny that this matchup is basically the roles are reversed from a year ago. Spencer Rattler is the the high profile scrambling quarterback who is taking deep shots or deep shot and putting a lot of fear in a lot of defensive coordinators uh, minds uh, this season that he's given a lot of headaches that he's keeping South Carolina in ball games that he's been the best quarterback uh, in this in the conference this year. It just kind of reminds me of what Hendon Hooker in this offense looked like last year for Tennessee. Tennessee was a vertical attack you deep all the time. Jalen Hyde, obviously the biggest guy here, but like Leggett looks almost like a carbon copy of uh, Cedric Tillman. And you look at the way South Carolina plays, like obviously you don't have the same tempo as what Heupel does, but it's the same way of them trying to win football games is they are going to at like 14.4 yards per attempt for Rattler last week against Mississippi state was bonkers. And it's not like he's throwing picks and they're bad balls and everything else. Like they are trying to attack you deep and uh, over the top and really, really put a lot of stress on opposing secondaries. That's not what Tennessee is at all anymore. Like you go through it, like Tennessee has not unleashed that part of their game at all. They want to run the ball down your throat. They want to put the ball. Uh, I mean, Joe started last week with an 81 yard touchdown run on a QB keeper um, against UTSA. Like they want to establish the run with Jalen Wright, with Dylan Sampson, with Jabari Small, their three headed monster. Like that's the game plan. And then take their shots when they can. But it's more of a way more of a conservative offense than what we've been accustomed to through the first two years um, with Josh Heupel. Maybe that opens up a little bit more this week uh, with Cooper Mays back, who is not not having your starting center all season long has been uh, an issue with the tempo. And obviously you just need him back. He's uh, one of the best centers in the conference and a uh, longtime starter. You need Cooper back. So him being back, I think will be critical here at home. Um, Heupel at home is also a very different animal. Um, and this Tennessee offense is a different animal when they're not worried about crowd noise and having to check stuff at the line and screwing up their tempo. I think it's just the the floor is raised significantly. And we saw what they they wore the black uniforms at night against Kentucky last year. They get up for these games. The crowd atmosphere is going to be great. I think the thing that I come back to is like, oh, wow, South Carolina, they're in the top uh, top uh, group in long passing plays in 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. Like it's everywhere. Like that's just what Tennessee was a year ago. Leggett leads the SEC in receiving yards. Like they're a good offense. I just think to me, and when I was thinking about comparisons, like I think this is Vols at Alabama in 2021. I don't know if you remember that game at all, but Tennessee had some uh, shots early. Like a seven point game going in the fourth quarter. And then right. Bama and then Alabama just kind of right. closed the door and got run, got away with it and ended up covering and 
just it was Hendon got killed like he lost four teeth in that game where he got banged up um, with some big hits and it was just they couldn't make it for four quarters. I don't hey, think he lost four teeth in the game. Yeah, he got hit hard like he had this big oh. shot and lost. Yeah, he got a big, big shot. Um, and it's then you, you <laughs> no, it's not what you want. But uh, yeah, so that game, so that's though, what Tennessee's going to do to to South Carolina. They're going to blast them in the fourth quarter. No, what I do think they're going to, I mean, I do think that's what's going to happen is I think the Vols are going to blast them as the game goes on because the Vols lead the SEC in TFLs. They lead the SEC in sacks. I think this matchup, Rattler is going to have to go back a lot. He's going to have to sit in the pocket. He's going to have to take a lot of hits. And I think it's just going to add up. Like Will Levis did the same thing against Tennessee last year in Knoxville, a similar situation where their offensive line, Kentucky was terrible. Will Levis, NFL quarterback, but like, Similar situation where great arm talent and then he comes into Knoxville and just gets pounded as the game goes on and they have a good first half against Tennessee and it just gets away from him. Danico Slaughter obviously killing that uh, slot guy and Juwan Mitchell picking it off after that and momentum really got away from him. I just feel like that's how this game's going to go. This doesn't feel like 2021 Ole Miss to me. The Vols are number two in rushing offense in the conference. South Carolina is the worst passing defense in the conference. I think this is a get-right game for Tennessee's passing offense. I think this is probably the most complete we see Tennessee, and I think Rattler is going to get sacked and hit a lot. I think this is going to be one of those. They'll get a couple deep shots. They'll score a little bit on Tennessee, but I don't think that's sustainable on the road in this atmosphere. I think Tennessee, I'm going to say Tennessee, Tennessee 38, South Carolina 20. 38-20, so you got Tennessee covering, what did I say it was? A, uh, I think it's 12 and a half. 12-point spread? Yeah. 12 and a half? Mm. So this one's 9 nine and 9 in the last 18, this series of uh, Tennessee-South Carolina. How do you feel about the uniforms? The Tennessee mm. becoming this organ of the Southeast, rocking a different uniform every game. How, 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 how are Tennessee fans feeling about that? I are mean, they rocking the orange helmets again? Or we, I don't we, know. We, we, do we that. burn those? It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. They might be back. They might not. I'm not sure. But like the dark mode are incredible. And the recruits love dark mode. And you have a lot like Daniel Hills in for this weekend. Five star Jordan Seaton opposite tackles in for this weekend. Like you just want like the black mode. The dark mode is just a fan favorite. Like it's just the black. All the Georgia are. fans are just a single tear down their eyes <laughs> when just. We wish we could wear black jerseys. Look, they're having so much fun over there at that at that school. Um, one day, one day, maybe. But I think they're all good. Jerseys. Like I don't think the recruits love them. I just don't think like they're fine. And Tennessee wore all orange last week. They wore orange and white. The classics against Virginia at home or at Nashville, which is basically a home game. I don't know. I don't think it's something out of it. They're all good. They're fine. Like I'm not really concerned. I think people need to get on board. It's just the nature of the sport now. <laughs> just the nature of the sport. Um, I don't like the I don't like the two different ones. I think they should have gone either the smoky gray or the dark mode. Not both. That's just my personal opinion. You know, that's just that's just my two cents. You know, if I'm mm-hmm. uniform czar, um, that's where I'm going with it. So Xavier Leggett, Leggett, Leggett. I would say Leggett, but who cares? Mm. he's the best receiver in the sec that i've seen so far like this guy is an absolute freak and i think south carolina just feels like that team that's every single game is going to be like a one score game this year like it's just it's going to come down they're going to be the san diego chargers or the la chargers 
of uh, of the SEC. I swear, every Chargers game I watch, it just comes down to the very last drive of the game. Um, so I just look at South Carolina and the 12 and a half does feel low. I just, I don't know what to expect of Tennessee. I feel like everyone overreacts to like the first result, like tangible result they get. And so really the only game that matters on Tennessee's schedule to this point is the Florida game. It's like Virginia, whatever, Austin P. No one cares about that. So going at Florida, it's like, it's on the road, whatever. Joe Milton's first like start when, since he's been the guy like on the road, like hostile environment, like, there's a lot that goes into that. And that was not the best version we're going to see of Tennessee all season long. But I do look at South Carolina and I, and I feel like this is a team and I still know about Tennessee's defense. So I just, I look at what South Carolina can do and Spencer Rattler kind of keeping plays alive. It, it just doesn't feel like Tennessee's ever going to really going to put South Carolina away in this one. Right. It feels like it's just, it's going to come down to who has the ball last maybe, or who can get, maybe one or two stops. And I, to me, this feels like it's going to be, and we don't, we still don't even know that this Tennessee's offense is great, right? Is, is Tennessee's offense better than Georgia? Like, I don't know. Like they, South Carolina just Not went right on the now. road. And they just went on the road at Georgia and held them to 24 points. So can, and almost scoreless for the first half. So they were able to, I think probably the key other than like blaming the, the clock stuff is that, Spencer Rattler didn't throw a freaking incompletion for like the first quarter and a half against Georgia. The clock never stopped. It just kept on running. And I think he did something similar uh, right last week was started like 18 for 20 or something like that. So if they're able to just kind of sustain drives and keep Tennessee's offense off the field, I feel like that's a way that South Carolina can win this game. But I, I ultimately don't think they can win. I think Knoxville, I think Neyland stadium's too much, but I'm going to take South Carolina to cover, but I think Tennessee wins this one like a, like a 27, 20. Okay. All right. Uh, I didn't think you were going to pick Tennessee here. I got to say, I didn't think you were you going thought to I'd pick South Carolina to win. Yeah. I thought you would. I don't know. Just going on the road. I don't, I don't feel as good. If it was in, in uh, Williams Bryce stadium, who knows? That's, that's a different X factor, but I, I mm. still feel like it's, it's almost, if you look at like Florida, like they went on the road at Utah, and just laid an absolute egg, and then they get a big-time game like Tennessee coming home, and, and we saw the best version that they, we might see all season. Like They might build off that and keep keep going, but it everything doesn't always go according to plan. And I think when you're at home, I think it's just, it just it does more times than not. So I, I can't pick against Tennessee uh, at, at home. Okay. But we'll all keep right, it in the next? SEC uh, with the Florida Gators, which, which I feel like this has become a rivalry in recent years. We got Florida at Kentucky, and Kentucky is a three-point favorite in this one. And uh, I was a little surprised to see Kentucky as the favorite. Uh, how do you see this game going? I'm not surprised with the favorite because they're at home. Um, but I will say, for this one, this is my road dog of the week, Matt Green. Road Florida's dog? Are you what, are you doing something right now? Are you starting something? No, I just want to say this is my road dog. <laughs> when I was going through, who do I like the most in our slate? The most on the road. I like Florida the most on the road here. Um, plus three. I think uh, Florida wins outright, and I'll get a score in a second. So, I think Kentucky's a house of cards. Part of the Kentucky problem is one of the smart things that they do is they schedule just nobody to open every year. 
They just build up these fake wins. Four wins or three yes. wins, I guess. And then everyone's like, oh, Kentucky this year. Like, it's a great strategy because they're always going to That's how I feel off. about Ole Miss. The, the mm. same. Well, here's the problem with that. Eventually, you're going to run in and eventually you're going to get exposed. And we saw that in the middle of a uh, group of the year with uh, Kentucky last year where you didn't like it. And they went to Ole Miss and they lost that one in really chaotic fashion. But like this one in particular, you got the Gators this week, the Dogs next week, the Vols right after that. Then you're at Mississippi State where the home team wins that series every single year. You're looking at a four-game skid here, potentially, uh, for Kentucky, because I don't think they're going to be favored uh, in another game after this one uh, for a little bit. Um, But they're eighth in the conference in passing offense. Like, Devin Leary has quietly just not been very good um, for Kentucky. It's been kind of a bust to this point. Liam Cohen coming back, maybe uh, that would uh, get this offense going. But maybe there were more issues than just Rich Gangarello. Uh, and Kentucky being a competent, efficient, good offense. Because like, there's a lot of talent at wideout. There's talent at running back. There's Devin Leary. We've seen him play a lot better at NC State. They're 10th in long scrimmage plays in the conference. Like You go through it, the Gators are better everywhere. Like Everywhere, Matt Green. I don't see one area where like Kentucky fans can point to and say, we can win here. We're better here. And this was a rivalry that Florida owned for decades until the last couple of years. And a lot of that's just better players and the players are better again this year. I think Florida has uh, gotten better as the season's gone along. I don't know what this means because you're looking at home losses against Tennessee and Florida and uh, with Georgia smacked in the middle there. They're the worst red zone team in the conference. That doesn't spell well for the uh, the, the Kentucky Wildcats uh, as they enter conference play. The biggest thing too, Trace Terrell, who covers Kentucky, he pushed, he posted this on Twitter that I thought was interesting. Through their first three games at Kentucky, Will Levison, 2021, he was 51 and 79, 800 pass yards, 17 D's, four picks. 2022, uh, Will Levis, 61 and 91, 882 pass yards, 60 D's, four picks. David Leary, 2023, 58 of 94, 855 passing yards, 8 D's, three picks. It's basically the same thing. It's not like there's this new explosion. Like, there's still the stoops factor hanging over this offense, not to the same degree that Kirk Ferentz and the Ferentz family is looming over the Iowa offense, but I just don't think it's coming. I don't think you're going to see this like elite over the top doing uh, a lot of fun stuff on offense with Kentucky. And I think this is more of a seven and five team than people think uh, to this point. And I think that's where we're headed. And I think this is the first, first one where like, Whoa, Kentucky might have some real problems, uh, as they look at the schedule the rest of the way. I don't know about you if you agree, but I'm going to say Florida. I'm going to say Florida 30. Uh, I'm going to say Florida 30, Kentucky 24. All right. Taking the Gators. I, um, I just, I don't, I still don't know what to make of either of these teams, to be honest. Like who's the real Florida, like the team that had what 13 rushing yards or something against Utah or the one that, ran all over Tennessee. It felt like that Tennessee game just kind of went perfectly according to plan. And I just, I don't think Florida is that team that can just bring it every single week. And I think, I mean, if there's one thing Kentucky can point to, like whatever you can take out of those first four games, cause they have won them all handedly is that they have been good at stopping the run. So, I mean, I think that's what it's going to come down to is if, if if Florida can't run on Kentucky, then I don't think they can win this game. I don't think they can go on the road and, and beat Kentucky. So I um I think we all are all kind of 
sleeping on Kentucky. And I, I think you're right. Devin Leary hasn't looked great so far, but I don't think we really know what they are yet. And I think I just kind of, I, I'm kind of thinking Florida's a pretender more than anything. And I think mm. going on the road, I just think, I think you have to be a good team to go on the road and, and win. And I think, uh, I think Kentucky's going to get this done. So what was the score I wrote down? I'm thinking like 24 to 20. Uh, hmm. Kentucky wins this one. So yeah, give me the Wildcats to uh, wow. to get it done at home. Set up a big time seven o'clock ESPN game uh, at Georgia next week. You think that's gonna be a night game next week? Yeah, they already announced it. It's it's oh. the seven o'clock ESPN Georgia Kentucky. Okay, Georgia get a, a night home remember. SEC game. Yeah, I want to say what is Alabama A and M next week? Uh, that may, might that might be the three thirty uh, SEC game. Yeah, try. I guess they're just trying to just unload all these uh, SEC, they're all these night games on Georgia after all the years of complaining. Mm. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Let's see. Where are we going next? We um, let's stay in the SEC. Uh, we got seven SEC games this week. They're not all on on our pick 'em, but this is one of the few weeks where all every SEC team is playing an SEC team. Uh, no bye weeks. Um, we got LSU and Ole Miss. I was told this is called the Magnolia Bowl, and uh, Ole Miss is a two and a half point home dog in this one. And um, I'll let you start. You get tell me what you think about this game. Which way? I think they just started calling the Magnolia Bowl recently, right? Wasn't it? Not. It's not always been that. It's a new development. Is that right? Makes sense because I'd never heard of it before until like (laughs) in the site yesterday. I'm curious how Old Miss responds. Like this is a get up game for Old Miss where you blow your best opportunity to beat Alabama in a long time. You play worse than you did when you had them at home last year, a much better Alabama team at home. Um, you go in and lay a gigantic egg on offense. Uh, I'm curious how Lane Kiffin's group responds here. Um, I just, I'm surprised at how low this is. I understand it's a home game for Old Miss, but LSU's looked really good, especially on offense. Um, this is only the 11th time, all time, that both teams are ranked when they've played. So this is not like some usual top 15 matchup uh, in the SEC. But Old Miss is, and also LSU is seven and three when both teams are ranked uh, to this point. But uh, Old Miss is 13th in red in the red zone in the conference. Not great. Uh, that's just not where you want to pee. LSU leads the conference and set with 71 plays of 10 plus yards like Jalen Daniels in this offense with Malik neighbors and company. They are explosive. They are creating big play after big play. The 10 plus yard sustainable one. You're getting Zakari Franklin back who um, played a little bit last week. He's I think the all time reception leader in the SEC uh, as I recall um, to this point. Is that right? not like an sec total but like he has the most receptions of any active sec receiver i think um so that will help a little bit i'm not sure what trey harris looks like but quinchon judkins hasn't gotten going to this point how does jackson dart respond um to his rough outing a week ago all that to be said i think this offense is just too good and i think old miss is just still a little too clunky for me based on what we saw a week ago against uh alabama it will be nice for them to get home, but I think LSU in this offense is cooking too much that I don't think Ole Miss can win in a shootout. And I think this is just, you're going to have to beat LSU in a shootout if you want to beat them this year. And I think you're looking at, I'm going to say LSU 45, Ole Miss 30, 35. Let's do that. But I do think this is fun and back and forth for most of the day. I, I agree with a lot of the points you made. Um, 
Do you think LSU finish this, finishes this season ranked? Yes, LSU. So Lane Kiffin is 2-6 and six against teams that have finished ranked in his mm. time at Ole Miss. So that's not great. Not great for spelling a victory. Do you think this LSU team wins 10 games? Yes. Lane Kiffin has never beaten a team that has won 10 mm. games in his time at, L- at Ole Miss. So along with all those points you made, I've if you were listening to the pod earlier this week, Oh, I just am not buying Ole Miss. I think they're frauds. And I think this LSU team, I think they've gotten right. And I think, you know, the Arkansas game was close, but I don't think Arkansas is a bad team. I just, I'm afraid they might be the that, that South Carolina team too, the LA Chargers that are just going to be in one score games all year. And they might lose more than they win. But LSU, I just think, I think this is a good team. And I, I don't think, I'm not buying Ole Miss. So yeah, I think it's a... Uh, I'm thinking like a 31-17. Like um, maybe it's close, but not that close. So maybe competitive mm. for a while, but I think LSU kind of wins easily. Okay. I like it. So we're, we're, uh, we're agreeing on that one, right? Okay. Um, keeping it moving. Uh, college game day for the first time ever is in Durham. Well, for basketball is in Durham, North Carolina. Or not for basketball, for football. Uh, in Durham, North Carolina for Notre Dame at Duke. And uh, this feels like a tricky game. Last year after the Ohio State loss, and honestly, last year was probably kind of a moral victory, that Ohio State loss, or Notre Dame's Ohio State loss, right? It was like 21-10, like this is C.J. Stroud, all these receivers, like, oh, Notre Dame, you know, we might we might be okay. Um, and then you, then you lose to Marshall uh, the next week. So... This one was just like a gut punch. Like it feels like the type of game that I really do worry about the hangover. Mm. But um, I don't know. It's just it was such a heartbreaker the way they lost that game at the end. But um, if it was Brian Kelly coach team, you know, no big deal. It's Marcus Freeman still a young coach. Can he get his team back up again? The big game environment, um, college game and everything should probably help that. But um, I guess uh, that's the second week in a row. Not many teams are the opposing team on college game day uh, two weeks in a row. So how do you see this game going? I had forgotten that Marshall was after that uh, a year ago. Um, It's a big game, like a lot of pressure on Marcus Freeman after the 10 men on the field. Then we found out that it happened earlier last year. Did you see that? I think I sent you that tweet where it happened uh, again last year that it's, this is a recurring problem for this defense that you're not even realizing. strategy, Marcus Freeman. Ten men on the four, field. Six. I just think this is bad timing for Duke because I think this Notre Dame team's a lot better than they were a year ago. The big difference here too with that Marshall loss versus this year that was Tyler Buckner and a much worse quarterback situation for the Fighting Irish. Sam Hartman is a very different, uh, different breed, and I, I think the combination of him and Audric Estime, um, who Pro Football uh, Focus has him as the most missed tackles. Uh, than any other power five running back. He has 32 to this point. Um, Notre Dame is 10th in third down conversions in all of college football this year. Uh, They're second in explosive plays uh, to this point uh, in the year. Jeremiah Love looks like he's going to be a real dude. He had a really good game last weekend against Ohio State. The biggest stat to me, Duke is 98th in getting teams off the field on third down this year. I don't think you can beat Duke if you're not getting off the field or get, beating Notre Dame if you can't do that. Notre Dame is going to, 
I think this is actually a big win for Notre Dame. I think Duke has had a great start to the year. I think it's asking a lot for the talent disparity and what where they're at offensively to be able to withstand Notre Dame and Clemson blows this early uh, in the season. So I'm actually going to say Notre Dame and Notre Dame wins comfortably. I'm going to go Notre Dame 34, Duke 17. I think this one's going to surprise some people that it's not close late. It's a great situation. Mike Elko's done a fantastic job. Um, they get college game day this weekend. That's big. But I think the ground and pound, Notre Dame being as good as they are on the ground, as good as they are on third down, as bad as Duke is, and then the explosive play factor and just Sam Hartman steady Eddie. I just I don't see Notre Dame losing this game. I think Notre Dame wins and covers. Yeah, I think Sam Hartman just kind of gives them just such a higher floor that mm-hmm. like because I, I think that's the the Clemson win was obviously big, but what do they block? Two field goals, you know, multiple turnovers, and Clemson's a team that's shown like they they're prone to, to turn the ball over, like not always playing, uh, you know, the the best the best offense. So I um I it, Duke has been a good story, but I kind of agree with you. I kind of see it going the same way. Like I think this is more of like a like a twenty eight seventeen. I think Notre Dame uh, wins and covers this one. All right, where are we going next, Matt Green? All right, let's go to let's go to Friday night out in the Pac twelve. We got the Utah Utes going on the road at Oregon State. And Oregon State is a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home over a top-10 team. Um, how do you see this one going? I was surprised to see Oregon State favorite. Cam Rising, it looks like it's not going to go, but this is our favorite. The Friday night Pac-12. I don't believe anything that, that Willingham says at this point. Whittingham says at this point. No, but look... This is it for Utah. They're losing this game. The Friday night, uh, Oregon State coming off a, a rough loss on the road against a good Washington State team. Very emotional game back and forth. The mascots were in unison. It's hard to take anything away from uh, from the Pac-2 Bowl uh, from a week ago. But Nate Johnson is going to start on a short week, it looks like. They scored 14 points at UCLA last week. They're now going on the road. It looks like it's going to be rainy tomorrow night in Corvallis. I just look at this. I'm like, this has all the makings of a Beavers holding the ball. What they do really well. They don't want to throw it anyway. Like DJU is quietly only competing, completing 59% of his passes this year. Eight TDs total. It's not really been a lot of him through the air. It's just they're running the ball down people's throats and they run the ball really well in Jonathan Smith's offense. I just think this is a tough matchup for Utah. I think they're going to have to score a lot more than they're going to be able to with their offense without Cam rising. I, uh, I don't think 14 points is going to do it. So I like the Beavs to not only win, but also cover. Give me Oregon State. Give me Oregon State 38, Utah 28. Oh, wow. See, that is not how I see this game going, sir. You look Mm. at the Utah Utes. It doesn't matter who's under center. Like this team, they just come to play. And so you're right. This Oregon State team, they have a great rushing attack, but. Utah's allowing 50 yards a game rushing. Like this team is allowing two yards per carry. Like they're top five rushing defense in the country so far this season. Averaging nine, allowing 9.5 points per game. Like this defense is legit. And I, like you look at that Washington State game from a week ago, like 38 35, like the Cougars were blasting Oregon State. Like that thing was 35-14 going into the fourth quarter. Like they made it look close uh, at the end, but like 
I don't really think that game was really that close at all. So I look at what Utah, like they're not going to be able to put up those same types number types of numbers against Utah. You know, I love a, I love a weekday road game. It's a, it's a dangerous spot always, but I just think uh, Utah is just battle tested, man. Give me, mm. give me Utah to win this one. I think it's something like, I don't know, 20 to 17 or something. Like I think Utah is going to, uh, going to, this thing is in the rain and it and it's uh, just ground and pound like that's feeding into what Utah wants to do. Like you can't you can't do that better than the Utes. So give me I mean, Utah. San Diego sure. State came in uh, two weeks ago. They want to play this kind of Utah style on the road. They only scored nine points in uh, 26 points for uh, Oregon State. And you Damian Martinez, San Diego great State to the back to back Pac-12 champs. Their defense is always good. Very good defense always. What I'm saying is also Damian Martinez at home, 22 carries, 206 yards, 9.4 yards per per carry. I just, give me the beeves, man. You're not a believer, but give me the beeves on Friday night. All right, put it on the board. Let's, uh, Let's stay on Friday night. Let's go down to the ACC. We've got the Louisville Cardinals and the NC State Wolfpack. Wolfpack, four-point home dog in this one. How do you see this one going, sir? Jack Plummer's been great for Louisville. Like, this Louisville offense has been really good. Um, great uniforms. They did this, like, throwback cards look last weekend that looked really good. Um, Jeff Brom is just a really good coach and has done a really good job uh, right away uh, for Louisville. I just, NC State, just, there's something off with them this year. And obviously, with a uh, new offensive coordinator, you uh, with Tim Beck going to Coastal and Robert and I leaving uh, Syracuse for this, Brandon Armstrong coming in. He's been okay. He's been fine, but you were in a dogfight. Who are they in, uh, with NC State or uh, with Virginia? Virginia. I just don't like the look of this team this year. I think the defense is legit with Tony Gibson. I think they're going to cause problems there. I think this is going to be close because NC State's defense is really good. And I think they're going to give Louisville some problems, but. I think Louisville ultimately gets this thing done on the road. I don't think NC State can score enough to keep up with uh, Louisville. So give me Louisville, mm, Louisville 28, NC State 24. I'll say NC State covers. Saying 28, 24, that's a push, sir. We're not going to accept that. You got to give can. It's four and a half. No, it's just four. I thought it was four and a half. I just I haven't seen I'm seeing four oh, is it here. Four? Sir. Uh, then I'll say I'll say Louisville covers too. We'll go with that. So you're saying twenty nine to twenty four. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I um this is your home dog of the week, sir. I went against the road game, the weekday road game. I did it once with uh, Utah. I can't do it twice. Um, okay. I'm not buying the Louisville Cardinals. I think they're uh, everyone's uh, preseason prediction of Louisville was just because of the schedule. It's like, and then they get like inflated because it's like, hey, you know, this team could be good. It's like, are they good or is their schedule just favorable? And I think they're a flawed team. Like we haven't really seen it yet. Like they've been putting up some points, but I think NC State they were in a dogfight, like you said last week with Virginia. It might be another dogfight in this one, but I'm gonna say. NC State wins this one, 26-23, pull it out at the end. Crowd rushes the field. Home dog of the week, NC State Wolfpack. Wow. Okay. Put it on the All board. All right, where are we going next? That's what Zeus told me to do. We'll see. If, it, if it's wrong, you got to blame Zeus. Okay. But if it's right, 
might be me. Um, keeping it moving with the uh, America's team, uh, USC going on the road to play the Colorado Buffaloes. Colorado is a 21 and a half point home dog. Travis Hunter wants to play in this one. He's not going to. It's probably a good call. Um, I just don't see uh I, I don't see this game going nearly as poorly as the Oregon game. I don't think USC is the same beast that Oregon is. I think at the end of the day, Colorado is not gonna be able to stop USC. I I they're not going to stop him up 48, 40 points, probably like 45 or something. But I, I think that this USC defense just isn't good enough that Colorado can catch him on some big plays. Like you saw that Arizona state game from a week ago, like their guys were winning a lot of one-on-one matchups and Colorado's got some playmakers on the outside. So even without Travis Hunter. So I think, uh, you know, Ishador Sanders and these receivers, they're going to score some, <clears throat> I'm thinking maybe it's like a, was 21 and a half. I'm going to say like 45, 24, you know, maybe they went by three touchdowns, but um, I'm going to take Colorado against the spread, but yeah, USC will win, but Colorado will just actually have a pulse in this one instead of just getting absolutely dominated from the opening whistle a, a week ago. Colorado's down to 44th in passing offense. Like that one game has changed like all their stats in a major way uh, with what happening. It's Oregon. I agree with you. Getting them at home is big. Also, this is going to be weird. This is a 9 a.m. local or 10 a.m. local kick. 9 a.m. for USC. Yeah, that's going to be weird. I like that's the biggest stay away for me. It's like USC is going to have to play this game like with their bodies feeling like it's 9 a.m. Like that's just that's brutal uh, to be playing a game that early. Um, I understand with TV and everything else because it runs the sport, but that's just silly. USC 70th in passing. Whatever they got to do for uh, for Gus Johnson, and Joel Clad to be on the call, I'm sure. I mean, that's what they got to do. Uh, but this was hilarious. I saw this from Connor Morissette, who covers USC on Twitter. He posted this about uh, Dion because, like, they're not running the ball at all. And that's that's a problem. Colorado is very one dimensional, but Shador is an elite uh, passer. Having Travis Hunter and company with that wide receiver with uh, Horn and everybody else, like, it's been good. They haven't been able to run the ball. And he said, quote, that's like asking your wife if you're committed to a good meal every night and she can't cook just hilarious he's like because they're like well, are you gonna run the ball more like why would i run the ball more when like am i gonna go ask my running back room to or ask my uh offensive coordinator commit more to the run when we don't have the guys to run the football like why would i why would i do That's that fair. we're gonna keep so you're gonna see a lot more passing uh from shador i think uh over the next couple of weeks but uh like you i think they respond well from what happened i think everybody plays well better at home i think the atmosphere will be strong um like i said early kick the 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 air the boulder air that early something tells me that this is going to be a much closer game than what we saw a week ago i still think usc ultimately pulls it out but give me like usc 48 colorado 35 in this one okay keeping that a little bit close um, so I, I just, I feel like, you know, Dion's going to Dion, you know, he's just, he, he is who he is and he's going to do whatever he wants. But I, I just think, I, I wonder if he's got some regrets about, you know, these first few weeks, just of just like you've, you've turned this into a game people circle and you're not that good yet to be a game that every opponent is circling. He kind of put a target like he doesn't have to cash uh, cash these checks, right? His players do. So 
I don't know. They've kind of put a target on their back of just like, was USC looking ahead, right, from Arizona State? They were looking ahead to this Colorado team that is, you know, still maybe an average Pac-12 team, but they're going to get everybody's best shot. Like, I don't know. I, that we, we could see USC just want to score as many points as possible just to just to make a statement. Maybe. But I also think the Yons aren't. Like, look at who they're getting in uh recruiting wise each weekend kids i think like it's still just cool you have Lil wayne leading them out like i'm sure there's going to be way more theatrics this week i don't think so i think it's just fine and i think dion's going to keep leaning into it he's not running from it to his credit like i think Dion, he keeps like I into said, it. dion doesn't care what i what i think about it or what anything one thinks about him but i just wonder if it's the best approach sometimes you want to sneak up on people you know yeah and also the people who are a little too much in favor of what dan Lanning says every week i'm raising the eyebrow raising the eyebrow matt green uh where are we going next let's go to the uh the sec west cocktail party as i like to call it uh texas a&m arkansas in jerry world and uh a&m is a or a&m is a six and a half point favorite in this one uh how do you see this game going sir arkansas is just hard to figure out man like kj's healthy um the tight end uh, i don't know how to pronounce his name they've been a good connection to this point uh luke haas he had a big play down the right side in that lsu game they played lsu really well uh a week ago they also lost to byu at home so it's really hard to get a feel for where arkansas is at this point i was pretty dubious of them coming into the year i sold uh low on the hogs before this year um this is an important game for uh for Stan Pittman. He's got to get some of these dubs in the West to kind of separate and keep this momentum moving that he's built uh, at Arkansas. Danny knows we'll see if the offense is a little bit better here, but the Max Johnson factor, we'll see how much that uh, limits what AM wants to do because Connor Wegman was just fantastic. Great QBR at this point. Losing him for the year is brutal for the Aggies, but they have one of the best backups, I think, in the SEC. So I think the drop-off will be there, but not, maybe not as much as people think. I just... A&M's pass defense is terrible, but against a team like Arkansas, I just I don't think that's as big of an issue. I think this is a bad matchup for Arkansas. The front seven for A&M is still dominant. I think they're going to eat up this offensive line. KJ's been uh, under duress significantly when he's passing 34%, I think, uh, when he's uh, passed this year. I think this one gets away from Arkansas. I think this is another statement win. Good win for A&M last week against Auburn. Uh, this is a big one for Connor Wegman and company. I think uh, A&M actually wins this one and wins it uh, handily. So give me A&M. Wegman's out for the year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You say Connor Wegman. Well, I'm, they're doing it for Connor Wegman. That's what oh, I'm saying. Oh, like, oh gotcha, gotcha. They get out for this one, losing him for for the year. So give me, uh, give me A&M to win 38 to uh, – give me A&M 38, Arkansas 30. Okay, you said it was going to get away from him. I thought you were going to uh, pick up like multiple scores. But um, I kind of see it being a pretty close game. You look at Arkansas, because I think you're right. I think this is kind of a big game for Sam Pittman. And I just, I don't know if, I don't know if this is going to be another one that goes in their direction, right? Like, it's just, there's got to be someone losing a lot of these SEC games. I feel like Sam Pittman's a good coach. I feel like this Arkansas team is actually a pretty good team. but. LSU, the BYU loss is the one that's bad because you can accept close losses to LSU and Texas A&M, but the the BYU one, they have a third, potentially a third loss in a row is just that's a you don't want to you don't want to be in that territory. But 
you look at AM is uh 10 and 1 against Arkansas since joining the SEC. Like they've kind of dominated this rivalry. I mean, they have dominated this rivalry. Arkansas was uh, number one in the SEC in rushing offense in 2021, over 220 yards a game. They were number two in the SEC in rushing rushing yards a game last year, over 230 yards a game. This year, they're middle of the road, averaging like 140-something yards a game on the ground. Like they they they're definitely missing Raheem Sanders, and he might be back for this one. I don't I'm not sure yet, but that rushing attack has just not been the same. It's been all on KJ Jefferson. I feel like to kind of win all these games for him, and I feel like he's a he's a really good player, but I feel like he's not that guy that's gonna carry you. So I feel like this game's gonna go back and forth, and this is gonna be a fun game because it feels like it always is. But I think uh, AM pulls it out and covers like a 31-24. So yeah, give me uh give me Texas AM as well. All right. Final two here, Matt Green. Where are we going next? We're going to the Big Ten, Michigan, going on the road at Nebraska. Nebraska's an 18-point home dog in this one. I think I saw a stat that there's like 13 ranked teams going on the road uh this week, and Michigan is another one of those. I just, I, I don't like. I was talking with Michigan earlier. Like this, this defense just feels so consistent. Like Nebraska has been sneaky, amazing defending the run uh, through the first four games. Like number two rushing defense in the country. They they made the change at quarterback. I guess it's no longer the Jeff Sims show. And you know, well, I don't think that's true. He's that, both their quarterbacks are banged up right now. So I, it seems like they're leaning towards it being the Jeff. Sim show this weekend. Oh, and see, you, you don't even know what was Heinrich. The made up name, man. Like this the... name is so hard. I haven't heard it on a broadcast yet. Uh, I don't think it's it's uh, Heinrich Harbarg. Harbog? Heinrich yeah, Harbog? something like that. So yeah. like he was the guy in the last couple of games and against nobodies. And yeah, they scored a bunch of points. So he runs well. He's like a John Reese Plumley type. Okay, so. I don't know. When Jeff Sims was just an absolute turnover machine, um, I feel like Michigan, this would be an easy cover. But um, if they have to work for it, it might be a little tougher. But I look at just what Michigan's done all year, like I was saying, kind of like 2021 Georgia, like every single like score prediction for Georgia that season, it was Georgia 30-something and the opponent 10, the opponent 7. And I think that's kind of what Michigan is. They're probably going to score 30-something and they're going to give up seven to 10 points and, and they should cover. So give me Michigan like 31, 31, seven. Oof. Um, man, it's this offense for Nebraska is really bad. Uh, it's an unserious offense, Matt Green. They're 127th in passing offense through four weeks. It's bad. And then it hurts even more. Like, when we were wondering, like, ooh, Jeff Sims out of Georgia Tech, and then Haynes King's out here breaking all kinds of <laughs> records for Georgia Tech out of the gate. Like, that was huge portal win for for uh, for Tech and uh, not for Nebraska. Jeff Sims has been, unfortunately, just really, really bad. And you talk about uh, Heinrich, who just all gas, running the ball, terrible completion percentage. I don't think he's the answer. You got to – I think they have a Purdy. Uh, is it Chubba Purdy? Who's still in that uh, that group? Maybe he finds his way onto the field at some point. Is that relation? Uh huh. Is he related to Brock Purdy? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. I let me double check this. There can't be multiple Purdy. Yes, it's his brother. Brock's his brother. Brock and Chuba. <laughs> 
Interesting. It's always interesting how two siblings get names. Like I think of like James Rogers and Jock Wiz. One mm-hmm. of them's James and the other's Jock Wiz. There's no middle ground there. Well, uh, hey man, it's uh, I'm Chase. Not a lot. Of, uh, ne- never mind. Um, <laughs> Nebraska, though. Here's the thing that I come back to. They're number two in scoring defense in the country, and this is what I the reason I picked them to beat Colorado in an upset in week two was like. I don't think their offense is good. I think Marcus Satterfield's just been bad wherever he's gone as an OC. South Carolina fans have been uh, a click, uh, 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 just they, they've really enjoyed um, the post Satterfield experience for Spencer Rattler and company. You see what he's been, he's been without, uh, without Satterfield. I think all that can be true. This has all the makings of a Michigan sleepwalking situation and you have mm-hmm. the stat of the the offers in the quarters and i think michigan's defense is legit and i think they're going to give nebraska all kinds of problems i just wonder nebraska or michigan number one in scoring defense but nebraska's number two in rush defense like i think mccarthy's going to have to make plays to get michigan to cover like I, michigan's not in jeopardy of losing this game but for them to hit that 18 points McCarthy's going to have to have a big game through the air like Shador did in week two at home. And the problem here is it's on Dude, the road. I think this will be a fun- They can run all over him with this with these running backs. But that's what I'm saying. Nebraska's the number two running. I don't think they're going to be able to run on Nebraska. Like you saw Illinois last year. It wasn't like you were running all over Illinois on the road. Well, Colorado was the number one passing defense offense going into the last week, right? And that changed real quick after one game. I think Michigan's a different, different beast than what Nebraska's faced so far. I just I'm a believer in Nebraska's defense. The Nebraska's defense, I think, is legit um, and they have a lot of dudes. So I'm going to say Michigan covers and wins, but do not be surprised. I wanted to pick Nebraska to cover. I just think this offense is oh, after so all bad. of that. After all that, you're not going to pick. Here's Nebraska? the problem. Their offense is that bad, Matt Green, that I think Nebraska is going to play really well in the first half. I think this is like seven to three at halftime, Michigan. Like, I think it's something I think, super. I think you're scared. I think uh, I think you wanted to pick Nebraska. You didn't you didn't have the guts. I think the offense is too bad. So give me Michigan 38. But a lot of those points come in the second half when the offense just can't stay on the field and Nebraska's defense runs out of gas. And then give me Nebraska like give me Nebraska three. I think it's like 38 three. Yeah, I don't think they score a touchdown. Take, it won't even take that much. See, I you you're you're confusing me. You're telling me it's going to be three to zero at halftime, and seven to three be, at halftime, and I think and now it's going to be thirty-eight to three. What was Nebraska, Colorado in week two at halftime? I'm not sure. Like fourteen zero. See, so I'm saying, like, I think it's going to be low scoring. <laughs> you could be right. I think it's it doesn't even take that much for Michigan to to cover an 18 point spread it could just be mm. it could be 21 to 0 honestly but uh yeah i think it's going to be something something similar and they they should win by at least three touchdowns um and then our last one of our pick em, we got Kansas Jayhawks going on the road at Texas and Texas is a 16 and a half point favorite in this one uh they won this game 55 to 14 a year ago in at Kansas uh, in a revenge game. Um, how do you see this one going? This was hard. Um, 16 and a half is high. And I know that's crazy to say like Kansas, Texas, and that's like, high. I mean, it's one and one the last two years with these two, like they both gotten a dub here. They've both been high scoring affairs. If I recall correctly between these two, 
Um, I think this is going to be a really fun game. I think Kansas is good once again, but their quarterbacks are always banged up. That seems to be a running problem here. They're 26th in scoring to this point. The Jayhawks are actually five and one against the spread in the last six games against Texas. So that's something to keep in mind when you look at uh, this one. For whatever reason, they always play Texas well over the last couple of years and always kind of overachieve here. I think Texas is going to have to score more than they've had to at, at any point this year. I think they're going to be pressed to the offense can't really have lulls. The offense can't really play with their food a little bit. They need to be all systems go and take Kansas seriously because I think Kansas is going to score on Texas. I think they are going to put points on the board. And they are in jeopardy of losing this game outright if the offense struggles a little bit. Because you go through the offensive categories, they're not, they're like a get up team where it's like Bama and then it's like, all right, we're going to unload the clip with Worthy and AD Mitchell and everybody else. And we're going to show like what the best version of us is. They might play down their competition a little bit um, to this point. So, and you got Oklahoma uh, next week too. That is looming. All that being said, you can't lose this game at Texas. You have the playoff staring right down. Like, this is not a game you lose at home. You can't do it. It's big that it's at home. I think Texas wins, but I do. I would bank anything that Kansas covers this spread. I think this is going to be close late. So give me Texas. Give me Texas 45, Kansas 42. I think this is going to be a wild back and 45, forth. 45, 42. Yeah. Um, I think Texas is different now. I think um, I think they've really uh, taken the next step because – I think we just have this unrealistic expectation of teams once they become like powerhouses. Like they, they beat Alabama on the road, right? And then won 31 to 10 and won 38 to 6 on the road. Like, where's the where's the red flag? Like, what am I missing? Like they they've just taken care of business. So as far as I'm concerned, Texas, I don't really have any concerns about them. And I think I think they are, have proven that they're that playoff caliber team and Kansas was a good story for a few weeks, but um, no, I think I think Texas wins this one pretty easily. I think it's like a 38-17 type of thing. Like I think I think they're kind of pull away in this one. Okay, so give me Texas uh, to win and cover. Mm. And that's it, sir. Those are the eleven picks. Got got plenty of disagreement in there. Um, we shall see. Maybe I can make up some games on you this week. How many disagreements do we have outright in the win totals? Um, let's see. We disagree on Florida, Kentucky, on Utah, Oregon State, NC State, Louisville. And those are the only ones overall we disagree okay. on. And then a few spreads uh, in there, too. So mm. season's so getting be, away from you early, Matt Green. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Georgia and uh, Michigan, the only two, uh, the only two four and O teams in the country that are zero and four against the spread. So uh, mm. we we both took both of them against the spread. Michigan against a big spread too. So we'll uh, we'll see how that works out. Both on the road too. All right, there you go, Matt Green. For that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green. For myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all we've got on this edition of the Full Ride here on the Chase Holmes Podcast. Check back for our recap show on Sunday night that we'll have up for you early first thing on Monday morning um, to see what happens. And I will be in the be in the building for uh, Tennessee, South Carolina with my dad. So looking forward to that. Enjoy the college football weekend. And Matt Green, I will talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. 
To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, Mm -hmm. you're um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.